Hey, welcome back to The Breakdown. This is Ryan Turner. And Joe Verdanis. Today we had the pleasure of uh, speaking with an excellent dietitian uh, down uh, in uh, Tampa, Florida, uh, Andres Ayesta. Uh, Andres is the founder and owner of Vive Nutrition, uh, which is an education and online nutrition coaching platform. Um, he regularly is hosting his um, Vive Nutrition radio podcast, um, and he brings cutting-edge and controversial topics uh, in the industry. He brings it right to the ears of the listener, which is why I believe he is someone who should be listened to. And um, he is a thought leader within this space. Um, and so we were really happy to have him on. And we spoke specifically about the ketogenic diet. Uh, the ketogenic diet is something that is very controversial. Uh, people don't even understand it that well. And so we wanted to make sure that we can kind of bring that to you guys. But to make sure you understand who we were talking to, uh, Andres uh, holds a bachelor's degree in nutrition and diet and dietetics uh, from the University of Southern Indiana. Uh, he completed his clinical dietetic rotations uh, through Texas Medical Center, and he holds a master's degree in exercise science and sports nutrition from the University of Central Florida. Um, aside, aside from being a registered dietitian, um, Andres is a certified strength and conditioning coach and a certified specialist in sports dietetics. So as he will always tell you on his podcast, Andres is one smart cookie. Uh, he spent, <laughs> he spent time, uh, with the football team at the university of Houston, uh, earlier on in his career. And then at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, where he found a passion to work with athletes of all levels. Andres, um, he was the director of uh, nutrition for the Applied Sciences and uh, Performance Institute in Tampa, Florida, uh, where he supervised all nutrition operations for pro athlete programs um, and also online coaching platforms for uh, well-known fitness celebrities. Uh, he has worked with numerous elite level athletes from around the world, from the NFL uh, to uh, the MLB, um, and he just wanted to help improve their nutrition and performance. Uh, Andres does not shy away from controversial topics in nutrition, and this is why he is a thought leader and an expert in this field. Um, he speaks very passionately from an experience, personal experience, and from deep research. He talks about intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet, which is a reason uh, we were really happy to talk with him today. So um, guys, take a listen and uh, let us know. Look, this is a good, this is a good episode because uh, I learned, I learned, I didn't want to cut it off. <laughs> this is, I got to put my two cents in here. This was a good episode because I am a skeptic of the keto diet. So I encourage you guys, even if you have written the keto uh, diet off, which honestly I did have an open mind listening to this because he goes into some really great points that you can apply really to almost any, anything that you're following. I think we get into, you know, um, Hey, here's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. Here's the common mistakes people make. Um, but here's the, here's the benefits that you can see and why you might want to do it. We even get into the idea of, um, cycling and periodization of like, if you're doing keto for a certain period of time, would it make sense to introduce carbs again? And, and would that be beneficial? There's some really cool ideas in conversation here. Um, and if you are interested in keto, we get into some great resources, trusted resources to, to dive into. So, um, with that said, Anything else on your end, sir? 
no, I think that you should take a listen for yourself <laughs> and uh, just realize that we're not either selling the ketogenic diet at this point and we're also not bashing it, right? We're coming no. from it, we're coming at it with an open mind. Um, and, you know, this, this may be something that works for you, but what we can tell you is that as a nutrition and as in training, uh, it's not all black and white. Right? No. See what works for you and uh, see how you can apply it. Just do things the right way for the right reasons. And that's what we're going to get into. So without further ado, here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to The Breakdown. Uh, this is Ryan Turner. And Joe Radonis. Thanks guys for joining again. We are really excited to have uh, an excellent guest on our show today. Uh, his name is Andres Ayesta. He is joining us remotely from down in Tampa, right? Is that is that where you are, Andres? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> awesome. I'm actually going to be down there tomorrow morning, so I should have let you know this. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but the reason we want to bring Andres on, Andres is a registered dietitian. Um, he is an online coach, um, uh, but he has some extensive knowledge in uh, performance nutrition. Um, he's worked with a number of athletes in all different levels of the field. And he also has a really great knowledge of some more controversial type of uh, topics within nutrition. Um, some of those being the ketogenic diet, being intermittent fasting, and a few others. But Andres um, actually has a, his own podcast, um, Vive Nutrition Radio. It's really great. Check it out when you have some extra time. But Andres is, in my mind, a great thought leader within the industry as a registered dietitian who doesn't hide from those difficult topics. Um, he likes to bring guests on. He wants to learn more from them. And he really does keep an open mind. And he actually can apply a lot of these challenging, um, challenging facts and challenging research, and he can apply them to himself. He can apply them to some of his, uh, his current clients and his past athletes is where he's kind of getting a lot more of this information from. So we want to bring him on today to talk a little bit more specifically about the ketogenic diet. Um, this is something I want to make sure that we can kind of turn back uh, our listeners and some of my clients and Joe, some of your clients as well. Uh, we can kind of turn them to and say, hey, if you need to understand the idea of the ketogenic diet, if it can work for you, what it is, um, this is the podcast uh, for you. So with that said, Andres, hello again. And uh, Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Um, I think we can just kind of get started with um, understanding what is your, uh, I guess, what what is the ketogenic diet? We hear a lot of, about it a lot, and I like to educate on it. Um, I tend not to be someone who implements it in a lot of my clients uh, just because of the type of people that I'm working with. Um, but let's get an understanding first of what it is. And from your, from your side, what, what can you tell us? Um, I always like to start with a simple definition, but for, but there's many out there uh, to, to describe what a ketogenic diet is, but you know, the, the simple description by which we can uh, define what this is, is, a very low carbohydrate, um, high fat, moderate protein diet that seeks to push the body to enter a physiological state that produces ketone bodies as a main source of fuel for the brain and for working muscles and all tissues in the body. 
Um, that's like the, the, the sort of like the clinical, like more layman terms definition. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are many variations to a ketogenic diet. Um, it is a very um, like trendy topic nowadays. Um, my re- the reality is like nobody follows a true ketogenic diet. We can get into that and the, really what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's usually what the, the goal of it is. Like the definition of the, the diet is based on what it tries to accomplish, which is again, again uh, trying to achieve a state of ketosis through dietary manipulation, essentially. And have you have you found that there are a lot of other dietitians or people that do try and implement with their clients? What is it that really makes you um, different from other dietitians by utilizing this um, this type of uh, practice? So I think it goes back to my interest, and I, I call these. Um, you're gonna hear me use this phrase a lot: uh, advanced nutrition strategies. I do believe like ketogenic diets and fasting and things like that are going to have a place for people that have advanced nutrition knowledge. Um, so I think what kind of separates me from other RDs and, and in this perspective is that I, since back in 2015, I started to kind of get into um, understanding what are some things that go against like the, the or that would just kind of break paradigms and go against like dogma in, in the nutrition field. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when we're in school, like for example, we're always being taught you as a dietitian would understand is like, you know, you, we've always been taught that, you know, fasting is something you need to avoid and you only do it when you need to get blood work. So I started asking myself questions about like, okay, what happens if you do it? And then that kind of sparked my research interest into getting my thesis in fasting and stuff like that. And later down the, the line, I started connecting with Dr. Ron Lowry and Dr. Jacob Wilson, uh, which are very prominent in researchers and thought leaders in this field. And I actually worked as a director of nutrition for the Applied Science and Performance Institute, which they do a lot of ketogenic research. And I started getting involved into it and I started reading so much about it. So I think also like the part of application and understanding, and I think what differentiates me a little bit more is just to understand how I can educate people from on the ketogenic approach uh, approaches without necessarily pushing it as like the one and all or the end of all approach for like whatever uh, goal like people are trying to to accomplish and these applications can range from like when we work with people with cancer uh, to people with diabetes and people with other conditions to sometimes like even weight loss as some people use it for or what's normally being used for nowadays. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I love where you're coming from and your history with it and how much time you've spent looking into it versus uh, someone who maybe just heard what the benefits of it could be possibly for body composition. So it from a dietitian's mind, it's almost like a dirty word that kind of pops up. Right. And we're like, OK, let's just make sure we don't touch on that. It's bad right away. Um, and I think that most dietitians will kind of say that we could probably implement some practices within it. But overall, I get a little bit worried when we start to implement it in some people's um, you know, diet strategies and their lifestyles because they're not going to be able to maintain it or they're going to do it in a way that isn't really going to benefit them, like their overall health. Like they might think that they can, they can just dabble in it, right? Um, and it's something where you do, you need to commit to something like a ketogenic diet if you want to see some long-term kind of results. So I love that, yeah. that you have spent so much time in this, in the research side, you've been speaking with people about it. 
And so you really are, in my mind, someone that if, if they have an interest in the ketogenic diet, uh, definitely look up um, on uh, Andres. Um, <clears throat> so what is some of the pushback that you might be receiving from some of your clients or other athletes or other professionals in the field when you're talking about the ketogenic diet? I feel like the biggest, um, the biggest pushback, it's usually, um, how it's not sustainable, uh, how it's not something that people can maintain long-term and the lack of research in long-term longitudinal studies to, to show its efficacy in different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, this is, this is nothing new, but the research for general populations or even for, for like, you know, healthy populations is still very new. Um, there's a lot more coming out and I do think there's, there's a lot of promising, uh, data that will come out later on, but most of the region has, the research has been done on ketogenic diets for like decades, like since the seventies and sixties, it's been related to clinical conditions like epilepsy and childhood epilepsy and other conditions such as, uh, as those. So I think the biggest pushback from the community of like specifically dietitians is like, that's something that only is reserved for specific clinical conditions, mm-hmm. not just for weight loss. And it can be obviously be something that when it's not properly practiced, it can be dangerous. And I do agree with that. Um, from the perspective of athletes and, and we can talk more in this from the performance standpoint, it's more of like the, the excessive amount of research to support carbohydrates as a main source of fuel to fuel performance versus obviously the amount of research that is presented to, to talk about fat as um, fuel. And mm-hmm. of course, when you start to look at the, 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 the amount of one versus the other, it's clear that you're going to see that it's like, you know, carbohydrates are still king, you know, to, to simplify performance and to push performance. But I just feel like there's still more that needs to come out on the fattest fuel arena uh, to kind of establish specific, um, what's it called? Like, you know, just specific either recommendations or conclusions as far as that. Interestingly enough, I, I recently went to, uh, um, a conference in Philadelphia, what's it called? Um, the, uh, uh one of the big, uh, yeah, fancy. So I went to fancy and they had this, uh, uh, one of the most prominent researchers in carbohydrates and keto, they actually had a debate. So they had a literally, they were standing on, on, on stage and they both had a uh, like a debate to present research on both sides. Dr. Lewis Burke, which you know it's extremely known in this field, yeah, she's and great. also uh, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Stephen Feeney, which is like the most prominent researcher in ketogenic diets and low carb diets. Lewis, Dr. Lewis Burke like completely obliterated, crushed Dr. Feeney. Like it was just <laughs> it, it was it was funny. Like sure. it was funny to see um, because it was just I mean insane. But it's just because of the fact that the amount of research that still pushes or, or uh, promotes carbohydrates as a main source of fuel, it's still a lot more predominant than fat as fuel. I just think like we just we haven't seen everything yet, though. So, so that's kind of like the way I see it. Yeah, I, as as with many diets, I think that it can be placed on a spectrum somewhere because someone says, "Hey, will it work for me?" or "What can it do for me?" And I think that we have to understand the person, right? And I think that you know, most people would agree that when someone says, "I want to adopt this kind of diet or this way of eating," the first thing we should really ask is why, right? Because the ketogenic diet can it have its benefits? It can, right? If you are an epileptic child, I'm going to say that it can probably benefit you. 
But if you're going to be one of my athletes, I have to understand what kind of athlete you are, how often you're spending at a higher heart rate, what area, what are your overall goals, right? So it's something where we want to be able to apply this to the right kind of people. Joe, do you see this with the people you train? Do you, do you get these questions? I've gotten some questions with keto, but honestly, I've never trained an athlete that actually does keto. Um, so I, I don't get it much, uh, simply because of the reasons that we're talking about. It seems difficult to maintain. Um, it seems like there's a lot of maintenance involved with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people have already kind of developed their habits or maybe found a groove. And, and most of the conversation that we have around here is around carbohydrate. Um, but Andres, I'm kind of curious because obviously you, I mean, you guys look, you guys are the experts in this field. I'm just a dude that likes to lift weights a, a lot. So I <laughs> we love you for it. <laughs> I'm coming in from kind of a different angle where I'm just trying to ask even a basic question of, um, why, why would someone even want to reach a state of ketosis? Like, what is, what does that even mean? Why would you want that? Um, where, where does the foundation of that even come from? Right. Where, where were the beginnings of this diet? Why would somebody look at it and go, yeah, I want to reach ketosis. This is beneficial. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, when we start to look at the effects or like the, the end goal of a ketogenic diet, which is to, to reach a state of ketosis, which, you know, for, for people listening in, the definition of ketosis is to reach levels of ketone body production that achieve that um, in numbers is equal um, or above 0.5 millimolar. So that's the way that you, you um, explain the definition of what ketosis is. And that means that your body is pumping out ketone bodies and he's doing it in an environment where like there's, this is what happens if you were fasting for three days, your body's eventually going to switch um, like energy fuel sources to kind of rely on, on your, your own internal fat sources. And that's how that, how that happens. Now, what are the benefits? That's obviously how like ketogenic diet has been pushed. So when we start to look at the background, so let's go back a few decades ago and we, we tried to figure out, okay, why were epileptic children were being applied to ketogenic diet? So obviously to reach a state of ketosis. Why is that? Well, we understand that there are certain metabolic machinery within your brain that sometimes become resistant to uh, specific glu- or to glucose, which is obviously your main source of fuel from carbohydrates when you break those down. So when we start to look at from the clinical standpoint, initially that's obviously like the main, the main thing that ketones became an alternative source of fuel. Now, some people call it in the ketogenic arena, they would call it like a cleaner, cleaner source of fuel. The reality of that is that, you know, when, when we have in like a, a higher state of ketosis, there are some really prominent research showing that it has a lot of anti-inflammatory effects. So there's a lot of, in what we call, like they call it inflammasomes, which are specific molecules within your body that tend to be reduced in a state of ketogenic diet or in a state of ketosis, um, which is something that can help in specific conditions such as obviously like um, what's called inflammatory diseases and uh, what's it called um, arthritis and things like that. So when we start to look at an athlete, it's more about from the recovery standpoint. So uh, reaching a state of ketosis is not necessarily a bad thing. If anything, something very positive it's obviously achieving it really what makes it very difficult, but it does have, you know, con- uh, you know, improvements in the way that you're metabolizing certain things. Also for athletes that may have like any kind of insulin resistance, it does like, you know, what research has been shown is that it can help improve insulin resistance. Now mm-hmm. I'm not saying there are not other ways with inclusion or carbohydrates where you can do that, but achieving a state of ketosis, you're reducing insulin secretion, which is like the, the hormone that kind of regulates blood sugar. So when you're doing all those different things, you're kind of like improving your body's ability to utilize fuels very effectively. 
so the way I kind of tell us all, and sometimes like some of my athletes have done this, like, you know, cyclically or like they've done it, um, you know, like a specific periods of, of, of the time. And I personally done this, like, you know, I did a full ketogenic diet for an entire year mm-hmm. is, and I do, and this is obviously more anecdotal from my, from my end, but I felt like I was, you know, like after I finished it, I was crushing cars and my body was just like loving it. And it was reacting so well to Interesting. it. Um, and that's when I got the most shredded I've ever been in my life. Um, it was right after I transitioned off of a ketogenic diet. And I do think it had uh, some, in, in way, some way, shape or form, some improvements as far as that. So the, the benefits on, on achieving ketosis, there are many, and these are just some of the few. Now those, those benefits, you can still achieve other ways, but these are, this, this is just one, one part of it for healthy populations that can be applied to. And then obviously this is not even touching the surface on clinical, like things such as cancer and, and diabetes and other areas like that. Yeah. So this is fascinating to me. So we talk about like periodization, right? And you, you mentioned that you did keto for a full year and then you go back uh, to an earlier statement you, you made, you said something about these would be techniques like intermittent fasting or ketosis. If I remember you saying this right, that it would be like advanced techniques. If you have an advanced understanding of nutrition, you may use these types of techniques, right? So can you expand on that a little bit? Like with uh, just, I know that we're maybe lacking some of the research, like you mentioned of ketosis and, and burning on fat, maybe in the long run, but maybe even based on your own personal experience, what, what could an athlete or where would you see some benefits even in periodization kind of be used when using ketosis? I, I'm kind of envisioning, you know, in, yeah. in, does that make sense? Yeah, no, no. It's a, it's a great question. And, cool. um, so there's a concept, um, I like to, and, and Ryan, you may be familiar with this, uh, you know, which is training low. Mm-hmm. Um, I apply it a lot with endurance athletes. I work with some Ironman athletes. I work with some cyclists. Um, and training low, what it means is training under low carbohydrate environments. That doesn't mean that you, you follow a low carbohydrate diet, but you train on a specific time frame under low carbohydrate diet. So, or, or a low carbohydrate feeding. So essentially let's say that you're about to go into like a 50 mile, uh, a 50 mile race or a 50 mile cycling session, and you're just not having any carbohydrates the night before or the morning up. So what's the idea behind that? And this is obviously the way that I see also like cyclical ketogenic diets to be applied for, which is essentially creating an environment in which your body becomes more efficient and utilizing fat as a main source of fuel. So the idea behind or the way I see it uh, as a way to kind of cycle ketogenic diets is just to improve your metabolic machinery in a way that you can actually use a combination of fuels, fat and carb- carbohydrates very effectively. So what we know from the, the perspective of ketogenic diets what is, is the following. Before, like 10 to 20 years ago, we thought that we had a ceiling at which you could oxidize fat as fuel. And I think that ceiling was something like 0.5 grams or something like that per minute or something like this. And we knew that carbohydrate had a much higher uh, level at which you can actually burn on a per minute basis. Now, when we started to look at like, you know, some studies by Dr. Bolek in Ohio, what he found is that cyclists that have been following a ketogenic diet strictly for an entire year, they can burn up to like, I think it was closer to like 150% more fat on a per minute basis compared to uh, obviously their control groups, which are actually like people that are consuming carbohydrates. 
So this opened up the idea that, okay, we can burn fat at a faster rate that we've always been led to believe. So in my experience and the way that I see it, cycling uh, ketogenic diets in athletes can and may help improve your body's ability to oxidize fat and to improve performance, even when you're including carbohydrates into the mix, because you just become more effectively at using multiple sources of fuel. That's fascinating to me. It is. And I think that's where I, I was learning more about metabolic flexibility um, from a couple of your of your podcasts at one point um, and a few other researchers that I was really happy to kind of hear and say that, okay, well, if we're cycling carbohydrate, then that can be something that's helpful. And I think that's one area that people get tripped up on sometimes is they is they think it's all or nothing. It has to be keto or high carb and they, ought, and they just get scared yeah. of, of either and they don't really end up anywhere. But if they'd have some kind of direction to be able to understand, okay, if I'm eating low carb at this time and then I can start to um, increase it at a more beneficial moment, maybe when performance needs to increase, then that can be a lot more helpful. But Andre, when you end up talking about these athletes in these studies, what kind of athletes are, are you exactly talking about? The ones that we, the, uh, the specific uh, studies that have reference are, are endurance athletes. Uh, and that's, that's a big controversy too within the field of performance mm-hmm. because a lot of like the research that has been done has been on aerobic performance sports. So obviously aero, uh, you know, endurance, like cycling, cyclists, uh, runners and things like that. So you don't really tend to see this much on, um, other kinds of sports because it's very difficult to control things such as, for example, like team sports, like football and basketball and, um, soccer and much less on bodybuilding communities. Um, there are, there are some, some research studies, like specifically, uh, when we talk about like, um, from body composition standpoint, um, Dr. Lowry and Dr. Jacob Wilson, they did a study. It was very controversial, but they did a study on, um, specifically bodybuilding athletes, um, and looking at ketogenic diets versus control normal carbohydrate diets. And they Mm -hmm. still found some improvements, at least like in, in body composition, not so much in, or not really, I don't remember exactly the details of it, but I don't, I don't know if it was also looking at. Uh, specific areas of performance. Um, but certainly something that is like well on the research because it's, it's difficult to control. Not many people can, can stick to, to this program. And, and, and we can talk about sustainability because I do think there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, controversy as far as that. But, but yeah, so those are like the main, the, most of the studies that are done on low-carb ketogenic diets are mostly done on um, like endurance athletes and, okay. and, and aerobic sports. Yeah, and I th- where where I think we come from up here, and from where we see our athletes in training over here at Tone House, or athletes that are usually training at a higher heart rate. Joe and I just talked about this yesterday. Mm, yeah. Our athletes are usually training somewhere around 125 percent of max heart rate. Right. Yeah, we're like reaching 180. Yeah, and so when when I start hearing people that are um, trying to follow a ketogenic diet, maybe because they have a little bit of a crossover from CrossFit. Um, and that community itself, which I think we have a question about, which maybe Andres, you'd be able to answer this. Um, but when we get that crossover and people are saying, well, over at CrossFit, they're eating something like a higher fat, more ketogenic style type of lifestyle. And I say, okay, that's great. But you may just be kind of missing out on some performance when you're training here, or if you're going to be training at a higher heart rate. I think people kind of get confused and they almost get a little bit frustrated and they want to say, okay, well, I now am going to, 
um, follow this because you know what? I think body composition is more important for me and performance is not something I want to push as much, or I'm going to, I'm going to kind of prioritize a six pack over something else. So I need to kind of have that conversation with them sometimes and just make sure that they understand why the ketogenic, um, kind of lifestyle can benefit one athlete over another and knowing kind of where you are and how you're actually training. Um, but why, why do you think that maybe in, in, in certain arenas like CrossFit, why do you think, um, one, they've kind of latched onto something like a more ketogenic lifestyle and how does it benefit that athlete? Do you think more so than someone that is going to be training at a higher heart rate for a longer period of time? Um, so this is, this is something that it's, it's the main argument that Dr. Lewis Burke had in this like argument, which he had over Dr. Finney, uh, which is, it's all re- evolved around exercise economy and okay. the body's ability to be able to, when you take like, you know, when you start to look at, uh, the basic way that body produces energy in the form of ATP, um, you're going to have a much faster, uh, turnaround of energy through burning glucose compared to burning fat. So specifically when you're looking at anaerobic conditions, which is when you're training at um, max heart rates that are kind of like exceed um, obviously more than, you know, 70 to 80% of your VO2 max Mm -hmm. and you're sustaining that. So I think that still carbohydrates remain um, like, uh, more effective to be able to do so. But here's like the things that we still don't know, however, which is some of the studies when they start to look at uh, ketogenic diets, interestingly enough, glycogen levels are not depleted. So when you achieve a state of keto adaptation, your glycogen levels are maintained. They're not topped off, but that just tells us that there's something happening inside of our bodies that are producing glucose and to store it, to maintain it, because your glycogen levels, regardless of your performance, are being maintained. So your body's using fat as a good amount, like a good source of fuel, um, but then your glycogen levels are still remaining, you know, normal. Again, they're not topped off, and that's why a lot of times, like people complain when you know in the aesthetic world that they feel flat when they're following a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because their ketogen, their, their glycogen levels are not like up to, up to par and obviously you have less water into your muscles, but there's something happening in there. So you're, it's not like you're completely depleted of carbohydrate sources within your body. Um, and, and that's kind of like the, that's the question that right now exists. So when we start to look at CrossFit communities and things like that, I do think that they get the benefit of the fact that they're using more fats effectively. And when I did uh, ketogenic diets, um, this is just, again, back to like anecdotal, um, stuff. Like I, I think I hit my all time, you know, squat PR, um, when I was following a ketogenic diet. And so I, I don't think that the, when you're looking at obviously as a competitive athlete, maybe this is something that we may want to reconsider, but if you're more like the recreational athlete that is just trying to understand how your body may use fuels a little bit differently and see if it can improve performance or change the way that your body reacts to certain things, mm-hmm. I think it's something worth exploring. Um, and again, I'll tell you this based on like my own experience. Um, but if you ask me right now, I work, I, I, I do CrossFit and I, I, I do CrossFit competitively. Um, and I coach CrossFit athletes at different levels, including competitive athletes. And none of them are following ketogenic diets. And, and the reason for that is because they, 
they some of them have tried it, but then some of them just feel better, um, you know, at the at the level that they're training at. Specifically, also from like the recover, recovery standpoint, um, some people would argue that with ketogenic diets you can recover a lot faster mm. because of like the anti-inflammatory effects and all kinds of stuff like that. I just think that you can all go either way. Like, there's always going to be like arguments to support either diets. Um, when you start to look at people or like you start asking people that know a lot about this stuff, um, to really support one or the other. But as of today, like if you ask me, would you go keto or would you go like, you know, normal higher carb, uh, to support CrossFit performance, I'm still going to incline towards higher carb because I just like feel like there's just not a lot still yet on like the ketogenic space. However, I think there's some application that you can have towards those athletes in specific times in the year. Uh, where you can kind of explore some of those things. That's what I'm kind of curious about. It sounds, I mean, we're getting into maybe a principle of like a mesh type of approach, right? Like there's a place, maybe a season to use keto and then a season to, all right, we're going to go more towards high carb. I mean, in training, I'm trying to connect the dots here. It seems like a similar principle to where, you know, uh, we don't want to hit the plateau effect, right? Or like the law of diminishing returns. So uh, if I'm having them do a certain set of exercises for a month, right? The second month you might do something completely different. And then like we're doing yeah. deadlifts in the first month. I'm not touching deadlifts at all in the second month. And somehow you get better at deadlifts, right? Because we did something totally yeah. different. Do the same principles apply in nutrition where you add yeah. that much so variety? We call, it, we, we call it like, yeah, metabolic adaptation. So your body is always going to adapt to, to the environment situation that you are putting it under. And, and, and this applies again to like the specific, you know, conditions at which you, it, it's kind of like the same thing when you start to look at calorie deficit, uh, when you kind of start creating uh, a calorie deficit for people to, uh, to achieve a specific result on weight loss and fat loss, your body's going to adapt to a specific deficit. And that's why we don't want to like, uh, lower calories forever, but we want to make sure that we're kind of like throwing in some wrenches here and there just to avoid your body to plateau because eventually it will. Same thing happens when you're starting to change the way that you're fueling your body. Your body's going to change and to adapt to survive. And then if you're cutting out carbohydrates, it's going to do everything it can to be able to survive and thrive on whatever fuel you're fueling it with and or the lack of, which in this case would be fasting. So it's the, the body's a, a very, um, very smart machine and it will change the way that it works based on the environment that you put it under. And it would adapt to those kind of situations. And some would argue that it wouldn't even, even evolve uh, to, to improve the way that it's operating or working um, when you're kind of changing those conditions. And that's why I'm very fascinated by including things into my lifestyle just to kind of see how the body reacts and how the body changes based on that. I, I personally feel that the idea of kind of training low or carb cycling, I think that some like most athletes I work with, that ends up being enough for them to be able to uh, see how their body changes when, um, you know, we're fighting a calorie deficit, we're pulling it from carbohydrate, but then when performance needs to really be uh, top of mind and they're looking to push past a PR, it ends up helping them when they do bring up their carbohydrates. It's a simple, I just, I've, I've always practiced carb cycling before it was really called carb cycling before I knew it. Um, and I've always just, I haven't really seen the need 
for any of my athletes to go into a state of ketosis. I also don't know if I've ever worked with someone who is, I, I haven't really worked with an Ironman before, but that would be an interesting thing for me to really see. Mm-hmm. I know you've worked with Ironman um, and maybe have seen them become keto adapted and how it's really helped them with a long competition, right? Yeah. There are some, uh, I personally have not worked with specific Ironman athletes in which I've done strict ketogenic diet, but I know case studies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not specifically Ironman, but there are, for example, athletes who, um, I think very recently, uh, this controversial documentary, The Game Changers, actually started depicting a athlete that just, you know, was fully vegan, and then they basically said that just because you're vegan, you can, like, I think he was, like, was holding the record for the Appalachian Trip. Appalachian Trail or whatnot, oh, yeah. um, but then you start to look at obviously all the kind of case studies, like the guy that uh, I think ran like that 100 mile marathon through like I forgot the name of it, uh, what it is, uh, but he was actually fat fueled. They call him that. So fat fuel is like he was he's been following ketogenic diet for for years, and he actually set the record for like the fastest the, the, the fastest trial on a hundred mile on a hundred mile ultra marathon. So. There, there are always going to be like case studies of people on, on, on these kinds of situations. I'm sure you're also going to find, like, you know, I'm sure like eventually you're going to see a game, like CrossFit athlete that is following a ketogenic diet and then like they gave, they won the, the, the game. So again, it's, it's, a, it's a very also individualized approach. But yeah. we also need to start to look at all the kinds of benefits that may come as a result of um, a ketogenic diet. So one thing about you know, fueling your body with fat is like the fact it's very uh, satiating. So obviously you do have like the, the um, hunger control. So for some people that are actually on calorie deficits, they might find it to be a little bit more effective. Um, it's also something that can improve obviously hunger hormones. And as I mentioned, also insulin mm-hmm. sensitivity. So there's just like a lot of, of things and a lot of benefits that may kind of come as a result of following this kind of lifestyle. Um, that can be helpful. The thing too about ketogenic diets is, and this is the way that kind of presented with somebody that wants to kind of go all in into this is you have to do it for a duration of time that allows your body to understand what's going on and for it to actually adapt. Great. I mean, this is again, back to like, back to your, your conversation, Joe, about like, obviously do your, like it's, it's the adaptation in training. Like you're not going to go and do that list for a, a week and then expect to become like, you know, pulling like 500 pounds, like, you know, like did like in, in a month or so, like you have to allow your body to adapt, to be able to increase a strength and have muscle adaptations and, and, you know, all those different things. The same thing applies to the keto and most people that are uneducated and they're starting this as a trend because they um, Google it or because they heard like, you know, Karen that is doing it. Uh, then obviously what is going to happen is, they're going to start to, to feel like they're failing at it because they're not really allowing the proper window of opportunity for that to happen. They're not really testing whether they're in actually state of ketosis or not, or like they're just not really pushing the body low enough of carbohydrates or pushing fat high enough to be able to accomplish that. So it's just a disaster uh, when it's not done um, like smartly. So now we're talking about poor execution. So I think this is a great, uh, let's dive into this a little bit further. So this is going to really apply to really any diet that you're trying, right? I am all about the individual doing what works for them, right? I think we can all agree on that. If something works for you and you feel good on it, that is fantastic. Um, so you make a point, maybe somebody on keto, right? You hit your PR, Right. And then, so I bet you a friend is like, well, God bless. I got to get on keto. This dude's getting PRs over here. Right. But then I'm over here saying, well, I'm running great on carbs. Right. And so you should be doing that. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, 
more about how you're doing it and how you're applying the technique. So just like, uh, like Andres, I might be more predominantly plant-based, but there's a wrong way to do plant-based and there's a right way to do plant-based. So why don't we dive into the topic of, you know, the quote unquote wrong way to do keto, but it's still considered keto versus maybe a more proper way where you're going to see some of these benefits. Yeah, and this is where we kind of start talking about the different definitions of what a, what a true ketogenic diet is. So when originally a ketogenic diet started, when it started like become a thing um, or like decades ago, like it essentially started off in a hospital setting. So a clinical ketogenic diet is one where your body is like not getting even like a, we're talking about less than 10 grams of carbs a day. So not net carbs. So some people actually kind of refer to um, we're talking about carbs overall. So this diet was not palatable at all. It was so, this is difficult to sustain because we're talking about like all that it was, we had to control protein so it cannot be too high. And it was purely almost all fat. It's like kind of like you were like taking, like you're, you're making olive oil smoothies. Like that's, <laughs> it, it's just it's very difficult to maintain it. And the kids that were going through really true ketogenic diets, like it's tough, it's difficult. Um, and if you see one of those diets, like, you know, on paper, it's like, it's so hard. Now, what most people follow nowadays, which still kind of can carry some of the same benefits as I discussed with Dr. Ryan Lowry very recently, is a modified ketogenic diet. So a modified ketogenic diet, you do still have like a higher protein intake because obviously there's more active individuals and you can have like a, you can get away with a little bit higher carb intake as well. So as far as execution, here's like what actually like most people kind of get it all wrong when they start this without the proper education what people usually do on keto is like they cut out carbs they don't increase fat they just tell them that you can eat like you can eat eggs you can eat cheese you can eat bacon Mm -hmm. and that's all you know they start doing that it's like cool like now but they not are not tracking the the right amount of fat that they're consuming so what happens and most people start ketogenic diet why because they want to drop fat and they want to drop weight most Mm -hmm. of the time it's not really a performance um Nobody comes to you and is like, I want to perform better and that's why I want to do keto. No. Even if that's the goal that they have, at the end of the day, it's because they want the six-pack and they think obviously that's going to um, provide it. So most people that see the weight loss benefit at the beginning when they start ketogenic diet, it's clearly because you do cut out the carbs very rapidly. You do have a reduction of insulin, which is also leading to you losing more water, which is also leading to you losing more electrolytes which is also leading to you actually dropping glycogen stores and all those things and all the above that I just mentioned, it's equal to actually dropping the number on the scale. So people tend to like hang on to that as a way to say this is effective. Now, the problem is when most people do that, they're creating what we know of uh, of as a calorie deficit. Now, the calorie deficit also is happening regardless if you, depending if you just like eat less than what what you're consuming on non-ketogenic diets. The thing about it is, is we kind of have like this mentality when we start a new diet, we obviously were super strict about it, but in ketogenic diets, what I normally see is the fact that people don't increase their fat intake enough. They underfuel themselves for way too long, and then they start to obviously hit that plateau. And that's when you see most of that population that gets into ketogenic diets, and after a month, they're like, I'm done. Mm. I'm not going to continue doing this. And they didn't even reach a state of like, you know, allowing the body to adapt. They just cut out the carbs. They lost the weight supposedly that they wanted to lose. And they're like, okay, this worked out well for me. I'm going to go back to my 
uh, normal way of eating. They regain everything all the way back up, which is not even like bad or nothing. Like it just, and, and, and obviously that, that kind of creates an, uh, a vicious cycle. So yeah. on the ex- execution part, most people are just not doing the, the right things to make sure that this is a well, like we call it a well formulated ketogenic diet. That's like a differentiation between a, just a keto diet. Yeah, I definitely, because I've definitely slid across the table before what someone's diet would look like if they wanted to get into a ketogenic lifestyle, right? And I think they look at it and they're like, wait a second, that's what I have to do? And it's right what you're, it's with what you're saying, it's they they don't understand that they're increasing fat and they're eating more fat and they're like, oh, I didn't realize I can't eat as much of that and I have to do more of this. That doesn't sound like breakfast. Oh, I can't eat that kind of dinner. My husband or my significant other isn't going to allow me to eat that with them. And so they start to realize that the lifestyle just doesn't work for them. And that's usually where I kind of cut it off. And I say, then I don't think this is going to end up working for you. Um, and, you know, that education, it's like if, if there's anybody out there that's that's hoping to maybe look into this, what I would I would do is make sure that you're signing on to that lifestyle for for a period of time. Right. How long would you say about six to eight, eight months or so, Andres? I would say like, I would say like a, a good six months is a good starting yeah. point, Okay, you know, and, for somebody that is just starting off. Yeah. So if someone's kind of putting this together, I'd say don't jump in yet. Really kind of put the pieces together, understand how it's going to benefit you, understand what maybe some of the challenges may be with you doing it. And if you can truly sign on to it, then see if it can, if it can be something that you can work into your day to day, but don't try to think that you're going to, you're going to think about it today. You're going to hear a podcast. You're going to hear that someone is going to drop body fat by you, by utilizing this kind of style of eating. And you can start the next day. It takes a lot of planning. It does change around. I think even some of your social engagements, the way that you're working with people, where you're going to go out to eat, how you're going to live your life, where you're going to pick up food. So it is, it's, it's a challenging thing. And I think it's the lifestyle that ends up stopping most people versus I think I think there's a lot of people that I've, yeah. that I've talked with that have been like, I can definitely put the performance aside and I can feel like my workouts might be a little bit harder if I'm going to be training at a higher heart rate. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, it's just if you can't stick with it, why would you end up starting it is what I would always ask them. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it's, it, it depends like and, and just to kind of add up into, uh, 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 to that is. You know, the, the sustainability aspect of keto is sometimes it's misunderstood. Um, if you ask me right now and you're going to be like, what? Like, I think it actually can be a sustainable lifestyle. It can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends, again, on, on the environment. And I'll tell you this because I don't tell you this because I, I teach it, but because I lived it. Um, and you can imagine as a dietitian, you know, like as I made the decision to kind of jump into this. Like, and I knew from the beginning that I was going to jump into this for an entire 12 months. Yeah. From day one, I knew I wanted to do this for a year. That's great. And whether I hated it or not, I said, I'm going to live through this. So the sustainability aspect of it, yes, when, when, when you live in a household that it's, it's mixed and it doesn't really like, you know, do the same things, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. But whenever you kind of have support and all that kind of stuff, let's say like, obviously that is like something that it's taken care of and like you do have, or you're cooking on your own stuff and whatever. And let's say you can make it, um, work for your family or for yourself. Now, sustainably speaking, like you can make this work if you obviously like learn how, just like, for example, people that go into like a vegan lifestyle, like they, like the people that do it the proper way, like they go places, they eat in, in restaurants and they do all kinds of different things like that. They find a way. So like from that perspective, I think 
you know, some people think like, oh, I'm not going to be able to kind of cut out bread. Well, like if you could put a little extra effort, then you make obviously your own types of bread and you can definitely do that, which is exactly what we did. So I never felt restricted when I was doing this for an entire year. And it sounds kind of crazy, but I was never like that. It may also help the fact that my, my, uh, my fiance, uh, uh, wife B is actually uh, a recipe developer and she was also doing this with me and she makes the most amazing keto recipes. Oh, that's awesome. So I was like, okay, perfect. Like, I can, I can definitely kind of benefit from this, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's, that's something that, and, and that's a conversation I have with Dr. Lowry too. It's like, you know, you can make it sustainable and, and I can attest to that. Um, but at the same time, yeah. So you, you want to make sure that you kind of commit to this, you know, in, in the long term. if you want to kind of test this out, I usually tell most of my, like the clients that come to me for keto, I educate, I, I teach them, I tell, I tell, I tell them exactly what I'm telling you guys and I let them make the decision. And if they say yes, it's usually the yes is not because they want to lose weight. It's because simply they want to try something different. And when that's the reason, I'm like, let's do it. It's exploration and exploration is great. Yeah, I think we're all about that. I mean, we've talked about that in the past, right? Knowing yourself, what works for you, what doesn't, what feels good, what doesn't, right? You got to do some trial and error. Um, I think you make up or or say a really great point, even about like mentality before you even go into these types of things of going in for the right reason. Um, Because like we said, there's a right way and a wrong way to do keto or really anything for that matter. And that talk that you had with Ryan Lowry was uh, a an incredibly uh, educational talk. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, I encourage you guys to take a listen to that. It goes into greater detail um, about sustainability. Um, but he even mentioned like, look, I could have eaten Snicker bars and been on a, in a ketogenic state. Right. But that's not what we're trying to get to. Right. Or if you yeah. just think this is going to be some silver bullet solution of, I just want to lose weight. So I'm, I'm doing keto and I'm just going to, you know, follow the guidelines to be in ketosis, but it's not a healthy yeah. lifestyle. We're, we're missing the point entirely. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And, and that was like, I forgot that, that part of the conversation that we had. Yeah. Like he, I think you mentioned <laughs> you can have a, a, like, let's say you have like 30 grams of cars to play around with, but like a Snickers bar has like 25. So that means that I can have a Snickers bar today. That's like <laughs> the complete wrong way to approach it. The same thing that people say, like, it's like bacon, eggs and cheese. It's like, oh, I can definitely do that all day. It's like, well, what about like specific vegetables? Well, maybe you cannot have like tomatoes because like that can start to add up on the carbs. So maybe you can still have like the Brussels sprouts and you can have like broccoli. You can have, a, it's, it's about formulating things the, the proper way. Just like you would do, again, like I always kind of reflect this back to training. Like, you know, you can start a training program and you can start doing like, you know, again, deadlifts and then do nothing at, uh, else at all or just kind of jump in a treadmill and say that you're doing like this awesome you know, a training program. And when in reality, you have to formulate it well, so you can obviously accomplish all the results that you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to do it, you know, one way, like, the, or, or the most effective way or, or, or to achieve the result that you want, um, you know, without structure. And I think that's a part of it what a lot of people sometimes miss. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think lack of preparation is probably there. I, I mean, let me, ask this question. Um, we say, all right, let's go in with the right mentality. We want to experiment. We're doing this for the right reasons. So let's do keto. And we say, all right, we're in this for the long term, six months at least. Right. Where, where, like, I don't even know where would somebody go to get true information and good resources on how to get prepared and how to start. What's like a trusted resource. 
Yeah. So, um, well, there's a few, um, I do think like, let's say for example, like, yeah, like that's, that's, that's a good way to kind of start is to start doing the research. Um, I, I guess like Dr. Lowry and, and Dr. Jacob Wilson, they wrote a book called the ketogenic Bible. Um, I have it in here. It's a pretty comprehensive, easy to read book that talks not only like I'm, I'm big on always starting with the research. Literally we had like a, a, a therapy appointment like this week and, and, I love this girl so much because she started off with the research. Like this is what science shows. And I'm like, okay, like you got me. This is perfect. Like, I love you. So you're talking about your wife, your, right? TV or your fiance, right? That's yeah. What you're saying? Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So like we always, like, I always kind of like to start and like, okay, what, like, like prove the point that you're trying to make. So this book actually goes into research into all the specific areas within ketogenic diets. And, and what's like the, again, like it's now, it's now four years, like three years, like it was published and there's, there's shit ton of like, you know, stuff that came out, um, in the past three years. So it may be a little outdated. Um, but that's where you start. That's a good resource. Um, but they also ketogenic.com, which I, again, it's also owned by Dr. Lowry. They just released, they just added me to, to their, um, yeah. I, I was kind of like a beta tester, um, a, uh, a fantastic course. It's, super comprehensive and it's actually designed for people that are either trainers or so, so they can kind of become more well-versed in it. It's called keto mastery. Um, and this guy just went bananas and putting content on that kind of stuff. And that's the one that I've been doing on myself. Like, and I, I'm actually a guest in one of those like, you know, video uh, modules that he did, which is essentially how do we coach nutrition or how do we coach uh, people on ketogenic diets? Uh, but those are going to be like the main, like the most, um, ideal resources. Um, I think also a good book, the art and, um, of like living low carbohydrate. I forgot like, you know, what's the specific name. Those really good resources to start. Um, but if you're wanting to read and educate yourself, that is one like way to do it. Um, at the same time, of course, I'm always, I believe in the power of coaches and mentors. And I do think people should not do this alone, mm-hmm. especially if you're starting off um, if you don't have any nutritional background, even if you do, a lot of times it's helpful to kind of have somebody to guide you through this process. So getting coaching or getting mentorship through, through, uh, somebody that understands this topic, then that's another way that you can definitely, um, kind of start this process. So Andres, what, what are some good coaches though? Because all, you know, even going down that hole, right. There's a lot of Instagram keto people, for example, or some red flags that I think people are just like pushing, this to sell and make money. Right. And even in, even in your, your talk with, with Dr. Lowry, you guys talked about like this, this keto pill being pushed and how it's like, Oh my God, people are just being misled and other people are trying to capitalize on this. So like, do you have maybe some red flags to look out for if you're talking to somebody that you think is going to be a good coach, but maybe, maybe they're in it for the wrong reasons. I always, I'm always going to push for registered dietitians first. Um, the thing is, is there are not that many that, um, have gone through the training and understanding of this to be able to coach it. Um, I do think like there are, for example, some that have a really strong clinical background on ketogenic diets. And I do think that they have the scientific foundation to coach it and to teach it. Um, if you ask me specific people, um, well, moi, so I can definitely help a lot of people within the ketogenic space, uh, but yeah. also, yeah. Uh, but I think it, it's really difficult. Like if you ask me, what are some like red flags that sometimes I see, 
Um, I like the, the thing right now is like there's companies selling ketogenic supplements. So keto, uh, what's it called, um, uh, exogenous ketones. So in a lot of these companies sometimes are pushing like, you know, MLM kind of themes or they're trying to do like marketing kind of style things with like just selling. So some of these people are calling themselves coaches, uh, which is just essentially a way to get people to buy stuff similar to like Herbalife and stuff like that. Um, so the problem with that is of course, you're going to find people that have no clue what they're talking about. They're still going to push keto. And sometimes it's really difficult to know who those people are. Mm-hmm. I just think if you want to find somebody, you have to do your research. Um, now I know doc- that Dr. Lauer's team, what they're doing is that they're trying to compile a resource list of doctors and dietitians and, you know, nutrition professionals that are, um, you know, that they can better like veto for them and they can actually, um, uh, like attest for them and their knowledge to, to obviously be resources for people that want to get coached. So that's something else that you can probably like look Yep, I think that that is uh, excellent direction for someone just so that they aren't pulling up, uh, you know, the best keto recipes on the internet and thinking, okay, I'll just get started here, really just knowing how the diet itself, how the lifestyle is really going to affect them and if it works for them. And then when you get into the fun part of, you know, developing a recipe or making something, then that's cool. But you really want to do your research first. So um, as I said at the beginning of all this, I really wanted to make sure that we are bringing people on that we believe are thought leaders within the, within the, uh, within the space. And I don't think someone should end up listening to this thinking, okay, well, they're, they're pushing keto or Andres pushes keto. No, we're just saying how it can fit in and that there are applications that can support someone if you are the right person. Um, so, uh, thank you for sharing Andres, all of that. That was amazing. If, if, if someone wants to find out more information about you, uh, Instagram or your website, uh, where can they find you? Um, yes, sure. So I, uh, the best way to reach out to me directly is going through my, through my Instagram. Um, I think that's just like the most, like, the, uh, you know, easier way. And my Instagram, my personal one is going to be, um, at, at, Andres, A-N-D-R-E-S-M-I-E-S-T-A, A-Y-E-S-T-A. Um, you can also visit my website, www.vive-nutrition.com. Um, and that's another way that where you can find out a lot about me. And then obviously I have, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, my own podcast, which is called Vive Nutrition Radio, uh, which is performance, fitness, nutrition. Um, and we bring in a lot of guests and, you know, and, and, and things like that just to kind of continue to to push the, the information and content out um, on things that are you know trendy and things that are not, and just educating people in the masses um, on nutrition content. Yeah, thank you. You you have excellent content, and coming from a dietitian, coming from a trainer, uh, you know we we're always looking to learn, and uh, we're happy to have um, experts like you around to mm-hmm. to be able to educate us and to educate everybody else listening. So. Thank you so much for taking time today yeah. uh, to, to be here. Um, and uh, we hope to, to be in touch and maybe have you on again in the future. This was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to talk about intermittent fasting. So definitely that's something that we can <laughs> take for like the next one. I know. There was, a, what, in November you did your uh, you did your five-day fast just as an experiment, not telling anyone to do it, but that was I haven't yet. So oh, I'm you have glad okay. that you mentioned that. Yeah, so. So that's like, you know, my motto for 2020 is like to be uncomfortable. And that's mm-hmm. one of the uncomfortable things I'm going to do uh, this year. I'm planning it out in a way like I am competing with a Palooza in, uh, in February. So I want to make sure I wait until I do that after. Uh, so I want to make sure that I am uh, I'm doing it at a time where I'm not 
um, like doing anything competitive or that I'm not pushing my, my luck too much. So, but yes, sure. I'm going to record that. I'm going to like document that entire experience. Um, and I'm going to also explain why I'm doing it. Yeah. Love so that. even, even more reason to check you out on Instagram. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely know that you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fasting as well, which is also a question that comes up, but, um, Look, the podcast is great. I did have a chance to listen to it, Andres. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. So really I definitely is. encourage you guys to take Thank a you. listen. Andres, I got two questions for you, sir, and then we're going to let you go. Two quick questions. Cool. One, when are we going to get you into Tone House? Uh, dude, as soon as I make it to New York, I do have a visit that I need to make over there because I have a cousin that lives there in Brooklyn, and I really need to go and, and, and pay that visit. So you guys can count me in whenever, whenever I make it up there. That's awesome. Uh, nice. That's cool. we'll, make, yeah. we'll make it a challenge. We'll only have Snicker bars. Before we take class, <laughs> hey, no worries. I'm not following a ketogenic. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not following a ketogenic diet right now. So okay. <laughs> Here's my last question for you, man. What's the impact you want to make on the fitness industry? Um, I want to be an agent of change. I want to be um, a voice in, in in the world that, or within the fitness industry, to be able to uh, to, to create sustainable changes, educate and and you know, foster accountability and, and motivation and, and develop a community where people can feel comfortable and self-sufficient and, and, and achieving their goals on their own or obviously being part of something bigger as well. Um, that's kind of like the legacy that a way I, I kind of see not only my company, but also myself to provide uh, to, to people and the masses um, as we do this. That's my passion. That's amazing. Yeah, how inspiring is that? I love that, man. Just it made go, me feel great. Let's go break through a wall right now. I know. I'm ready. Andres, that was beautiful. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to write that down. I don't know how I came up with that. Here's the good news. We recorded it. So you can... <laughs> we'll send you the transcript. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, all right. Well, thank you again for being on. Um, check this, the uh, show notes for um, all information about Andres. And we hope to have you on again and definitely get you into Tone House sometime soon. Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, man. Later, bud. Yo, thanks for listening to another episode of The Breakdown, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did get anything from this, you found it beneficial, please remember to share, leave a comment, subscribe to our podcast. It's going to help us grow and make sure that we are going to be able to make great quality content for you guys. So make sure to share this with your friend. Spread the word. We out here spreading knowledge.